Hello and welcome to the Insert Coin Theater podcast. We're back and on a whole new season, I guess. Season two, I suppose. If you are new to the show, which probably most of you are, the old show is available on YouTube and in many other places. My name is Tim. I am your host, and I am very excited to be discussing today the World Health Organization declaration that gaming disorder is a thing. Now, a lot of people have heard rumor, hearsay, scuttlebutt, there's a lot of misinformation flying around about it, and I figured we could go ahead and talk about it. But with that said, let's go ahead and start the show. really good to hear that intro song again that intro song was made by my good friend uh ben burns uh also known as abstraction music uh you can go ahead and check him out at abstractionmusic.com you definitely should check him out he's very talented dude makes a lot of excellent music does some really cool things with his content and uh can't recommend him enough with that said hi my name's tim it's good to see you again uh i'm sure most of you who are listening have heard of me at some point i'm not a big deal or anything, but I have been wanting to revive this podcast for a really, really long time. And I figured, why not now? No better time than the present, right? So before we dig into the topic at hand, I figured we could kind of uh, leap in a little bit and you'll hear a little bit of clicking in the back as I click around. I apologize for that. But you'll hear you'll hear a little bit more about the World Health Organization decision soon. But before we get going, let's talk a little bit about the podcast and kind of where it's going. So the ICT podcast is going to be revived as an audio only venture, at least for now. I don't foresee it going video again. I do live streaming a lot and it's kind of my current gig and kind of where I'm I'm taking the content that I create. And ultimately, I'm really enjoying that. And I think it's developing well. I've got a great community built up around ICT and this podcast is just kind of my creative outlet for topics that I might not get into on stream or that I might get into on stream, but I feel like really need a deep dive or at least some kind of discussion. So with that said, if you have any suggestions for the show, topics you'd like to hear about, feel free to hit me up. My Twitter is insert coin Tim. You can also find me on my live stream at mixer.com slash insert coin theater, but I'll repeat those at the end of the show. So with that said, let's go ahead and dive right into the World Health Organization declaration that gaming disorder is a thing. Now, what gaming disorder is, and this is this is where a lot of that misinformation comes from, is people just assume that, oh man, they're just picking on games again. And with good reason. I mean, if you look at the, you know, the Jack Thompsons of the world and the politicians and parent organizations that have vilified video games as this evil plot to warp children into being killing machines and murderers and gangsters and thugs. It's amazing to me that this didn't come sooner. However, there's a lot of people that are assuming immediately that this specific ruling by the World Health Organization into their uh, 
ICD-11, which is the International Classification of Diseases. Uh, it's like a, an index or a manual of all the diseases and such, uh, including I think it's psychological diseases as well as physical ones, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But that said, the inclusion of this has really put people on edge and people are making a lot of fun of it. And not with no reason. I understand kind of where that's coming from. And we'll kind of get into that. But I think I'd like to kind of define what the gaming disorder is to first off dispel the notion that this gaming disorder uh, declaration is them picking on video games. Ultimately, this actually has some really positive connotations in a lot of ways, and I personally am very excited to see this. Uh, it's defined as a pattern of gaming behavior, which is digital gaming or video gaming, characterized by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests and daily activities, and continuation or escalation of gaming despite the occurrence of negative consequences. And pretty much what that boils down to is that you're playing games to the detriment of your life. You literally, that's all you do. You exclude, you avoid going out with friends. If friends called you, you would say, nah, man, I got to go play this game. Uh, ultimately, you're harming yourself. You're suffering in school. You're hurting your grades. You're losing out at work. You're missing out on family and friend events specifically for video games. Now, this actually was a thing earlier, uh, way earlier than this, um, that was called Internet Gaming Disorder, uh, published in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5, um, and it was uh, published by the American Psychiatric Association back in 2013, and it's pretty much the same deal, but the problem is, is that the Internet Gaming Disorder was very specific about MMORPGs, which... Uh, I'll get into because I actually suffered from this, but the World Health Organization has broadened it to just gaming in general. And I think that's kind of where people get rubbed the wrong way. And ultimately, what's fascinating to me is that this has been a thing since 2013, though it has been labeled as a condition warranting more clinical research and experience before it might be considered in the main book as a formal disorder. So it's not a formal recognized disorder, but it was considered and uh, um. I think it was published in there, but it's not like an official uh, formally recognized disorder. However, it is a thing and it is recognized as a potential thing that could be a problem. Now, this fast forward to 2018, five years later, and we've got this gaming disorder and it's classified under disorders due to addictive behaviors. Now, this is actually classified alongside things like gambling addiction and other uh, addictive behavior disorders. And that's where the crux of it comes in. That's the difference between just labeling it as if you play games for more than five hours a day, uh, you're you have this gaming disorder. No, it's it is characterized specifically not by a time that you do it or the amount you put in, but by it being to the detriment of your life, more or less like that is taking everything that you do. And that is literally all you do. And professionals are a different story. Naturally, you've got your streamers who do that as their job. You've got esports players and, and such. But if you're like the folks who go to internet cafes to play Starcraft for 20 hours straight and die at your desk, 
which is a thing that happened. I, I think I'm probably getting the amount of time wrong, but if you go to a cyber cafe and you die at the desk there because of doing that, and I'm not trying to trivialize, you know, somebody passing, but they very well likely suffered from this gaming disorder. And I think that's where when people begin to poke fun at this sort of thing, it starts to lose its real power, which is in defining something that people actually suffer from. And let me give you an, a little anecdote from my own personal experience. I was heavily addicted to World of Warcraft for a long time. Uh, six years, I think. Uh, I started in 2006 and I, I played pretty much straight through to about 2012, I believe. And uh, I I would put 12 plus hours a day into the game, at least through my um, late high school, early college years. And I wouldn't go out with friends. I wouldn't do anything. I would literally I would get home. I would grind for raids and uh, I would grind mats and I would be up until six in the morning and then I or four in the morning. I'd get two hours of sleep, go to school, come home, rinse and repeat. And I would just play and play and play and play. And it definitely was a problem. And I was highly addicted to it to the point where it made it very difficult for me to function because that's all I wanted to do. I was I was hooked. I could not put it down. I couldn't stop. I put months of literal playtime into that game, like actually logged in months and months of actual playtime. I think I had close to a year of actual playtime by the end of the six years. So that means I spent a year of my life in the game over the course of six years. So that said, that's where this is really important. Looking at gaming disorder from the lens of myself, this is a very serious thing. I mean, had I not had the support of my now wife, um, she actually, believe it or not, was the one who got me into World of Warcraft, which I'm not blaming her. I mean, there's no blame here because World of Warcraft, by its own merits, is not it's not there to be addictive it's not it's like it's it's just one of those things where if you are prone to it you will you can become addicted and it lays out the the groundwork that just so happened to appeal so perfectly to me for that sort of skinner box of grind raid rinse repeat that really really got me and it really appealed to me and i can't i can't say that everybody can become addicted because, I mean, not everyone can become addicted to gambling, but gambling addiction is a real thing. Just look at the loot box controversy. Loot boxes are such a big deal for so many people because they can trigger those tendencies in people who have the the general uh, tendency to be addicted to gambling. And that's a problem when video game companies willingly trigger that to get more money then that is them pretty much uh, breaking the trust of people and enabling uh, an addiction. I mean, take a look at uh, cigarette smokers. They quit smoking, they're clean, and somebody goes and lights up a cigarette right in front of them. That's, that is a point where it, it is very easy for them to just say, can I have a cigarette? And when you've got loot boxes in front of a gambling addict, you know, you and you put it in front of them, they're very likely to say, eh, what's one more going to hurt? And then they start buying more and more and all their money goes to buying loot boxes for what? And I think that is I think that's really important to keep in mind when you go to mock this disorder. I think the problem that we experience and I've asked questions about this on Twitter is that 
gaming has been so vilified and just so attacked for so long that it's very easy to see the mainstream media abusing this. And they already have been. There are instances where they literally said, if you game for 20 hours a week or more, you're a gaming addict and you have gaming disorder. And that's totally inaccurate and completely flies against what this World Health Organization uh, diagnosis or um, uh, declaration is intended to represent. And it's very frustrating to me because I suffered from it. I dealt with it and I've been there and, you know, I, I get it. I understand people may not understand it. It's, it's very much similar. It is a, it is a, it's very similar to some mental health issues. And I'm not going to draw a parallel and say anxiety is the same as gaming disorder. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the stigmatization, the treatment of it as this big joke as nothing serious or you can just get over it, go do yoga, walk it off, you know, that sort of thing is just not okay. And I think it's just really important that we not treat this as a joke and that we we speak out against news outlets who are abusing this declaration to push an agenda. But we also recognize that it is a genuine problem and people suffer from this. It is a suffering thing. It sucks. You lose friends because of it. And yeah, you may be socializing online, but there's nothing quite like physical interaction with another human being. And I think that's where the biggest problem comes in with a lot of people who look at this gaming disorder and just are like, Shh, that's nothing. That's, eh, you know what? It's just made up to pick on video games. And granted, it has been in the past. I mean, look at it being used. Look at video games being used as a scapegoat for mass shootings. You know, someone plays video games, plays, you know, Call of Duty for an hour uh, a week or even an hour a day and they're like oh well they're just training in a shooting simulator it's not accurate and i can understand where that that concern comes from and i agree that it sucks and as gamers we're very sensitive and we're very conditioned to defend gaming because as an art form i would say gaming is way more attacked than film television um, and other other forms of, of media print media and the like and i think it's i think it's a little silly and I can understand where people are coming from. And I don't necessarily disagree that when you see this sort of thing, it's we got to be up in arms because we have to defend gaming to an extent, because as uh, as people passionate about games, as people who love video games, it's really important that we support it as much as we can and continue to drive home the idea that gaming is more than just uh, you know, pixels on a screen and meaningless drivel. It's it's stories. It's exciting. It's interesting. And it gives us an escape. It gives us an outlet and it, it tells us stories and it shares stories and it makes shared experiences. And that's something that art forms don't do often because, yeah, you can look at the Mona Lisa and the Mona Lisa is a beautiful thing, but that's also not something that you are spending 60 hours in with a friend to, you know, experience a story firsthand, like a firsthand account of that story. And that's a powerful thing. And that's, that's where the, the power in gaming comes in that strength that gaming delivers. And I think that we just have to be very, very careful when we, when we look at gaming and people, pointing the finger at gaming as a blame. And I get it. I totally do. But 
being as someone who suffered from video game addiction, from this internet gaming disorder that the APA decided to uh, put in the uh, DSM-5, and now as the World Health Organization's uh, gaming disorder, uh, I, I know what that's like. I've been there. Like It caused a strain on my relationships, on my friendships, on my family. And ultimately, it, it was an addiction. It was, I was hooked. I just could not break the addiction. So to kind of bring my rambling to a close uh, a little bit on this topic, I just think that it's really important for us to, um, treat it like any other disorder, treat it like gambling, treat it like, I mean, it is something that can be diagnosed by a doctor and treated. And that's one of the highlights that comes out of this is that a doctor can now say you have gaming disorder and people that actually suffer from this can get help. And one of the concerns uh, is that um, the, the evidence provided uh, by some researchers have said that um, because they're uh, that it's weak um, and um, uns- possibly unsubstantiated because there is a genuine risk of abuse of diagnosis. And that's understandable. I mean, if somebody is going to abuse it to, uh, I don't know. I don't know what you could abuse it for, but I'm sure that there's a million different ways you could abuse that, whether it be medicinal or through some kind of therapy or what have you. It's just, it's a very difficult thing to classify. And I, I personally applaud the World Health Organization for doing that. It's not an easy thing for them to step up and say, hey, look, people are addicted. This is a problem. We should probably try to classify this and maybe provide help and ease the suffering of these people that do have a genuine problem. And I think that's important. So with that said, I think that we will probably move on to our next topic here in a second. But um Normally, uh, I think this would be where you would take a break and you would say, uh, this is our sponsor, but um, welcome to the ICT podcast on our first episode. What's a sponsor? (laughs) Anyways, we'll take just a couple of seconds uh, where there would be normal sponsor drivel, and then we will uh, jump into our next topic. Now that I've had a second to recollect my thoughts... I figured I would talk about video games and fun. Yeah, believe it or not, video games are supposed to be fun. I kind of want to talk a little bit about something that my buddy Jan Cambrams brought up on Twitter, and he had mentioned what can you do when you're bad at games, which I excel at. What can you do when you're bad at games to have fun. <laughs> and I think I think that's the ultimate question, right? Is how do you how do you still enjoy a game that you're bad at? And I can I can give you some firsthand experience there. Let's let's take a look at Dark Souls. I tried playing that game. I think it was 3, Dark Souls 3. And I'll tell you what, I am garbage at it. And I'm not a big fan of these super difficult for difficult sake games. I feel like they are very exclusive. They enable a toxic culture around get good culture. And that's something that I kind of want to talk about in another episode, probably the next one or something along those lines. But we'll see how that goes. But ultimately, I think that games that are hard for the sake of being hard appeal to a specific audience. But I believe that 
the stories that they tell are just as exciting and interesting as any other game and have is just merit, just as much merit. So finding the fun in a game like that is not easy. Um, a lot of finding the fun. Um, and I, I say that because that's kind of my mantra, especially with streaming, because sometimes I end up playing games that are not enjoyable. They're not a fun experience. They're broken, buggy, glitchy, a mess. As a variety streamer, I play a huge array of different games, different genres. doesn't really matter what genre it is. So I think what it comes down to for, from my perspective is looking at a game, whether it be a hot mess or a well-crafted masterpiece. Uh, let's take Far Cry 5 as that well-crafted experience. Even if you get bored in that game, you can find the fun, whether you be running around launching trucks with explosives on them and seeing how far you can get the pieces to fly or the chaos that you can cause in the arcade mode of it, things like that. It's 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 digging in and finding emergent gameplay where you can, right? As an example, look at Sea of Thieves. That has a really nice chunk of emergent gameplay, but truthfully, that's about all there is, is emergent gameplay. It's a very simplistic core experience. You go find chests, you turn in the chests, you get money, you buy things. Uh, sometimes you fight a kraken, sometimes you fight a giant shark. Ultimately, there's not a ton to the game, but the appeal is in what you do with your friends. And similar to Grand Theft Auto V online is most of the fun is from what you conjure up with your friends and what comes out of your own brain. And I think it's really, really important to just find that fun. And it doesn't necessarily need to be an online game. As an example, uh, from my own experience, um, playing a game called Hyper Sentinel that came out not too long ago on the Xbox and I think on Steam as well has a mixer integration and the mixer integration was woefully broken. One of the buttons that people could press would spawn like 8 billion enemies and it was only supposed to spawn a few and so it would lag the game. Well, half of the fun of that was hitting the bomb spawned by my teammates, uh, which they spawned many of and causing the entire game's frame rate to drop to nil and I just found that hilarious and we probably got a good 15-20 minutes of fun out of it and it's not a lot but there's not a lot to Hyper Sentinel and it's not a terrible game but it's not a great game either and it, it was the fact that the fun could be found because of just goofing around and messing with the engine and making it freeze and stutter and pop in that way was the fun and rather than getting five minutes of gameplay out of it and being like, wow, this game is not great because all it is is a, you know, top down shmup uh, to something that actually generated 20, maybe even 30 minutes of content. And I think that was a win in its own because rather than jumping from that game, it actually got its chance to shine in how imperfect it was. And I think that's part of the challenge is if you're, you've got a game that you really want to experience but you're having trouble getting into it or uh, even enjoying it to an extent at certain points, maybe a mission's too difficult or something like that, take a break um, in-game and go do something different or just take a break from the game in general. But ultimately, it's about finding your fun and what, what really gets you going with the game and making that game interesting to you. So if you can discover that and make it a, a positive for you, that's a win. 
and finding those wins is is difficult in some games like Dark Souls 3. I could not find a win to save my life except for drinking heavily while I played it. And (laughs) I think I think ultimately that's the challenge is narrowing down what makes the game fun for you and what makes it engaging for you and keeps you wrapped up in it. And with that, I think we come to the conclusion of the first episode of the reboot of the Insert Coin Theater podcast. I really appreciate you guys joining me on my meandering thoughts. I hope that it was something that you found enjoyable and uh, found some fun in. And I appreciate that you took the time to download or at least stream the podcast. And I hope that you will reach out to me with any suggestions you have. If you have questions, thoughts, comments, or even suggestions for topics, please don't hesitate to hit me up. You can hit me up on... Wow, that was my voice doing some weird things. You can hit me up on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash insertcointim. And if you want to check out the Discord, there's an ideas channel there, which is pretty great. Discord.gg slash ICT. That is the hub for all of the ICT community. It's where we all hang out outside of streams and probably a great place to go hang out. And if you want to catch my live streams, I stream Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern time till about midnight, sometimes earlier on Sundays and go longer on Sundays. And I usually go later on Friday nights. But uh, feel free to check me out, uh, mixer.com slash insert coin theater. And that's theater spelled in the American spelling. Please come hang out with us. I'm desperate. No, I'm just kidding. But ultimately, it would be great to have you join our community. We've got some pretty awesome folks who hang out and we always have a good time. And uh, that's one of the core tenets of uh, ICT, having fun. So please feel free to join us. Thank you very much for listening. And I will see you all next episode.